Continuing with Scott's magical mystery tour of horrible video game movies, we are watching a, a classic today, I would say. It's probably a classic in the video game movie genre circles. In, in, the, in the official sense, I believe it's considered a classic because it has to be 25 years old, and this is, this is at least that. So we watched... Oh my god, released in 1995, directed once again by the video game Court Jester, as opposed to King, Paul W.S. Anderson. Well, it's either him or uh, what's-his-fucking-face. Uwe Boll. Yeah. Yeah, he does, like, the he, really shitty ones, right? Like, he did the one with uh, Tara Reid and uh, Christian Slater. Yeah, Alone in the Dark. Ugh. He did Alone in the Dark. He did uh, Blood Rain. Uh, he's also the one who challenged critics to boxing matches, but that's another story. Fun. Clearly, you can take criticism well. <laughs> so, the reason I chose video game movies. Every video game movie, I feel like there's usually something there that you'd be like, that would make a great movie. Uh-huh. And they always seem to fuck it up somehow. Uh-huh. I'm waiting for you to be like, but this one is nothing like that. <laughs> and no, there's only like two or three that are like, yeah, that's okay. That's that's decent enough. Uh-huh. But like, there needs to be one. Give me one. Someone who understands the video game that isn't just trying to cash grab on the name of the game. So I, I put out a poll earlier in the month when we were trying to decide which video game movies to do i chose resident evil but i had fans of ours choose other ones so mortal Kombat, uh special shout out to professor j i hate your taste in movies and game for a movie who all suggested we do mortal Kombat. now were they recommending the 1995 version were they recommending the sequel which i hear is even worse than this one i already have it on my watch list by the way because <laughs> i hate myself or were they suggesting the reboot from last year i think the world may never know the world may never know but i think most people when you s suggest mortal Kombat, suggest 1995's mortal Kombat. but from what i understand i mean this was a vast improvement on last week with resident evil because this was a, a so bad it's good situation which is why i want to watch the sequel because i hear that's even more of a so bad it's good situation but i digress <laughs> good is a good good is a stretch for uh the sequel. From, from what I understand, though, the 2021 reboot is actually not bad. Like, genuinely okay. It is genuinely okay. It's got a better understanding. It's still batshit crazy. And the one thing I think Mortal Kombat, the series, gets wrong as a whole is it's supposed to be a fucking tournament. And they never do the tournament, right? Well, they do the tournament in this. But they do it endlessly. But it's not a tournament. It doesn't make sense. Like, if you look back at tournament fighting movies like Bloodsport, like Enter the Dragon, they have a tournament set up. Like, 
oh, you win this fight, you go on to this fight. You you know, in the middle of this movie, Johnny Cage, one of our main characters, just randomly challenges Prince Goro. That's not how a tournament works. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was pretty clear that they weren't focusing much on the logic quote-unquote of the film or the characters in the film they were really just focusing on like oh this is cool fight choreography let's just use basically the same fight choreography over and over again with different monsters for fucking 50 minutes in a row (laughs) and i can't blame them because you know what the game got lazy too at some point and just made ninjas that were just color swabs of each other like, oh, this ninja's yellow, this ninja's blue, this ninja's green, this ninja's red. But there are good things about this movie, both so bad it's good and, like, genuinely interesting. For example, this movie was written by a man named Kevin Droney, and this was his first movie that he ever wrote. God bless. I mean, clearly it didn't work out too well because the only other movie that he wrote was a film called Wing Commander in 1999. Now, I've never seen nor have I ever heard of this movie until I looked it up, but apparently based on the poster and the quick synopsis that I read online, it's about a couple of pilots that fight aliens because, you know, that's always a fun time, Independence Day and all that good stuff. And uh, the... (laughs) the, um, the pilots were played by Freddie Prince Jr. and Matthew Lillard. So Freddie Jones and Shaggy Norville Rogers were fighting aliens in 1999 and nobody knew. <laughs> I think this that is also a video game movie. Oh, is it? I'm pretty sure Wing Commander's a video game. Oh, that would be hilarious. I didn't know that. <laughs> but uh, really for me, I would say it was for sure a better time than with Resident Evil. I was never... Well, I'm not going to say I was never bored. I was sometimes bored by the like repetitive fight choreography. But for the most part, I was just confounded by like the fucking process of how this movie got put together and like why these choices were made <laughs> in making this movie. Also, I consider it a so bad it's good movie because you can just tell despite the fact that this whole movie looks and plays like a fucking extended Power Rangers episode, (laughs) which is kind of hilarious. By the way, check out our Mighty Morphin Power Rangers retrospective. We did a whole episode on 90s Power Rangers, guys, because we got time on our hands, apparently. We also did the movie, but that's another story. Oh, yeah, the more recent movie, which I actually like. But yes, that's also true but what i was saying was what makes this i think is so bad it's good movie it's not just like the little moments here and there that make you laugh out loud it's just the general vibe of the movie because even though you can tell that this is a shit show from like start to finish you can also tell that everybody on set just based on what you see on screen but also behind the scenes information that i have like everyone was having a fun time with it which is what you kind of have to do in a movie like this like everyone in Resident Evil last week we talked about that they were taking it way too fucking seriously (laughs) you know what I mean I feel like everyone that was on set for Mortal Kombat 1995 knew what the fuck they were in (laughs) but also this movie has a man who helped pay for part of the movie and his own travel oh yes I this is like the number two reason why I wanted to watch this movie number one was because 
it's supposed to be so bad it's good and then number two was christopher motherfucking lambert okay <laughs> i'm so happy he really he came and he saw and he conquered the role of raiden even though it's just so terrible <laughs> What do, you, what do you mean the 90s were racially insensitive? What do you oh mean? Oh my god. You guys. You guys. Okay, so let me just say, Christopher Lambert, I love Christopher Lambert. We did an episode way back when on Highlander. And if you don't know who Christopher Lambert is, he is a Frenchman who in Highlander played a Scotsman and in this movie is playing the Asian god of thunder. I don't know why. <laughs> I don't understand it. But I love it so. So Christopher Lambert is in this movie and he plays Raiden and he was by far the most expensive uh, actor on set. They could only afford him for like a couple weeks and he was going to do close-ups in LA uh, and then everything else was supposed to be like, you know, long distance shots when they went to Thailand and did all like the remote shoots. But by all accounts... Christopher Lambert was an incredibly positive influence on set. He was very laid back and very chill with everybody, even though he was clearly like the most famous person on that set. But what's hilarious is that he got paid for his close-ups. And then when the producers were like, okay, we're going to just use a stand-in for you when we go to Thailand. He's like, oh, no, no. It's more legit if I'm in the whole movie. So I'm going to go with you to Thailand, add, pay out of my own pocket to go to Thailand and finish the movie so the movie can be more legitimate. Now, did he also want like a trip to Thailand? Like that probably is true. Like an easy excuse to take a vacation. But still, he didn't get paid. And he also paid for the rap party on the movie, which is awesome. Like I just I just feel like he would be such a delightful man. And his performance as Raiden is hilarious. <laughs> Like hysterical. His laugh alone. Oh my god, it's too it's too much. Yeah, the Asian god of thunder is a Frenchman. The introduction to this character is fucking hilarious in the movie. Like he's in this uh, monastery in this Asian country, clearly surrounded by all Asian people, and he just like saunters in all like dark and mysterious looking with this Asian rice hat on his head and like very authentic looking garb and this hilariously terrible long white haired wig on and he just dramatically like lifts his head and use like has this like gravelly voice and he just looks absurd he looks ridiculous again Hollywood wasn't racially insensitive it's no, fine. clearly not. I mean, they're still not to this day. Everything no. is wonderful. But um, I, I do give this movie points for the, at least the actors, just having a good time with it. I mean, it definitely helps a lot with its watchability because uh, not only was Christopher Lambert a, a delight on set, everyone seemed very into it. I mean, they endured multiple on-set injuries, seemingly with glee, just so they could, like, get this movie off the ground and like it, it's pretty badass when you hear some of these stories that happen on set there was also a lot of ad-libbing encouraged which definitely helped with the dialogue because i mean resident evil i don't think it's as bad as resident evil but it tries to like you know throw a lot of expositiony things at you that don't make any sense but then you forget about that because like johnny cage says something funny it's like haha you're so silly johnny cage <laughs> Johnny Cage, honestly, in the games, is one of the, the funniest characters. 
Yeah, we're, we're definitely going to introduce this uh, cavalcade of crazy characters. Haha, <laughs> alliteration is fun. But before we get into the nitty gritty, I do want to mention, like Resident Evil as well, the soundtrack of this movie is uh, pretty iconic, not just for the pretty catchy and, and hyped up theme of Mortal Kombat, which we'll fucking get to. Wait, 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 wait stop, stop. You have to say it right. What? The catchy theme of... Oh my god, we're gonna be using that clip a lot. So, the soundtrack for this film was all EDM, and it went platinum in less than a year, becoming the first EDM record to go platinum ever in the U.S., and the composer, George S. Clinton, also did the sequel, all of the music in the Austin Powers trilogy, which say what you want about Austin Powers, but the music's pretty fun in that. And he also did Beverly Hills Ninja, which was in 1997, and also starred our actor who plays Luke Kang in this movie. That was the Chris Farley vehicle, correct? Yes. Okay. Oh, yes. <laughs> so um, I think it's safe to get into the nitty gritty now. I kind of want to rip this thing apart with glee and delight. Okay, let's dive in. We start with the thing everybody comes for when they start Mortal Kombat. The thing that gets you all hyped up. The theme song. We just mentioned it, but we're going to play it again. <laughs> the Mortal Kombat theme song is fucking great. I have it on my workout playlist. It gets you going. We start in a dream world where Shang Tsung steals the soul of Liu Kang's brother. Yes, uh, Shang Tsung is the quintessential villain of the story, and Liu Kang is really our, our main character, our main squeeze, our hero supreme. He's played by Robin Shu, and um, he's having a, a bad dream about Shang Tsung taking his brother and killing him, and he dramatically points into the ether, but at Liu Kang in his dream and basically says I took your brother's soul and I'm going to take your soul <laughs> your soul will be mine <laughs> yeah then Liu Kang wakes up in a very green bedroom it's just a regular old bedroom just flooded with green for I guess artsy reasons yeah well uh, Shang that's Paul W.S. Anderson's attempt at artsiness we've already established in Resident Evil that he's not good at that <laughs> he's not good with colors either but yeah he is an evil sorcerer who steals people's souls. In the game, he actually transforms into people to fight you, which is a lot of fun. But he doesn't do that in this. No, he doesn't. He's just general evil guy. He only does the transformation at the fucking end, and it means nothing. <laughs> oh, yeah. That was stupid. We're going to get there. So we meet Liu Kang, as Frankie said. He's sweaty. He's all like, oh, God, what's going on? I mean, we love a shirtless Robin shoe. He's shirtless a lot in this movie, and I think in fucking Beverly Hills Ninja too, he was also pretty shirtless. Well, let's face it, he's a good-looking guy. He is. He's very handsome. So we cut to Hong Kong, where Sonya Blade is on the hunt. She's chasing her man. She's looking for Kano. She's beating up people at this nightclub, and people are perfectly fine with her shooting a guy and just keep on dancing. Oh, yeah, it's kind of funny. She immediately gives off, like, badass bitch vibes, which, you know, is cool beans and all. 
But she says a line that I had to write down because it was just so like cliche and hilarious. It almost seemed like it was like a placeholder line until they thought of something funnier. But then I remembered it's Paul W.S. Anderson and what's his face? Kevin Droney. And I'm like, oh, no, this is probably what they thought up. Uh, she she looks at like her partner or whatever. And she goes, I trust one person. And you're talking to her right now. And she, she keeps going. I'm like, OK, <laughs> like we, we get it, bitch. You are a badass. She is playing by Bridget Wilson who I feel like most people would recognize her as the love interest in Billy Madison yep and actually fun fact she wasn't originally supposed to play the role of Sonia Blade originally it was supposed to be played by a Miss Cameron Diaz but um she actually broke her wrist during training and she was immediately replaced by Bridget Wilson who had auditioned for the role but then she didn't get it so she went into Billy Madison they literally called her as soon as she rapped with Billy Madison and said, can you come over and do this movie? And she's like, fuck yeah, I'm coming over and doing the movie. And she literally refused to stunt double and did all her own stunts, which is five. Everyone pretty much, I think did their own stunts, which is pretty boss. Yeah, it definitely is. Uh, I think they did all her fights last year. She was training after like they filmed for the day. Oh yeah. To try and get all these stunts. Cause she's not a trained fighter. Right. Side note, every time I think of Billy Madison, I don't even think of her scene. I think of fucking uh, Chris Farley replacing her in the bedroom. That is correct. (laughs) (laughs) That's such a good movie. Oh, Oh my God, Billy Madison. It's far too hot out here for a penguin to just be lying around. (laughs) Oh, I want to watch Billy Madison now. Okay. (laughs) So we meet Sonya. She wants to get her man. She wants to get Kano. Kano is, of course talking to Shang Tsung about that he has to get Sonya to follow him to this tournament. There's a weird thing with Shang Tsung and Sonya that kind of never gets really explained. It was very confusing. I literally turned to him like, does he want to like fuck her or something? Because she, he says multiple times in the movie, you can't hurt Sonya. You cannot harm her at all. You can't even humiliate her. And it's like, okay, why... Like, first of all, why? And second of all, when they get to the tournament, he also says that that again to Kano right before he's about to fight her. So it's like, what what am I supposed to do? Kano says, I'm sure, to himself. Like, you don't want me to hurt her, but, like, we're fighting to the death, supposedly. So, like, what? Why? Okay. (laughs) It seems stupid. But, yeah, and then later on in the movie, spoiler alert, he, like, kidnaps her and uh, challenges her to fight. So, like, what? was the point of that i don't know uh it's just weird but i actually do uh want to bring up kano here because kano looks fucking cool he eh. I, I like the metal half metal face like, it literally looks eye. like they took some tinfoil and pasted it on his fucking head it looks better later on this actor did such a good job because initially the character is supposed to be japanese that the game just decided, oh, we like them so much as this character we're gonna make the character australian from now on in the games so that's how Kano became Australian. Right. And just to like clarify, I, I'm pretty sure Scott would agree with me on this because like, I mean, he's obviously into the games. I am not. But like the fact that uh, Raiden was played by a white guy is clearly more disturbing than the fact that there are several not Asian people in the tournament itself. Because the tournament, the Mortal Kombat tournament, from what I understand, involves like the whole earth and like the best fighters on earth. So like obviously you're going to have a variety of, you know, shapes, sizes and colors in there. 
So like, and but it's a martial arts tournament. So there are predominantly Asian people, but all the Asian people except Liu Kang are like background people. <laughs> yeah. So okay, that that's fine. I'll you know whatever. But like, it makes zero percent sense for Raiden because Raiden is a, a, like actually supposed to be the Asian version of Thor, but you're you're white. Like you couldn't have called like I get it, you want a big name, but like you couldn't have called like the only that seems really bad but the only person I can think of is Jackie Chan and I don't think he would do this <laughs> Jet Li would have been fine I don't think Jet Li th- that's the problem really the fucking Asian big names that you could use would feel like they are too good for this maybe Mako you, what Mako, was Mako doing in the 90s you probably, Mako actually probably would have been a good choice was for he this. doing was he in Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles was he in those movies I feel like he was in some kind of movie but maybe it was animated I don't know well I this is remember. around this is around the time when a lot of Asian actors are starting to move over from Hong Kong cinema into American cinema so I'm looking at Mako's IMDB just like just to he he seemed like a more viable option I mean the only thing that I can see that like is marginally recognizable to American audiences in, in the mid 90s for him is like Robocop 3. Yeah, Mako would have been a great choice because he, he, again, is a very well-known Asian actor and he had a great voice. He would have been a great Raiden. Yeah, um, he should have just went with that, guys. But we went with Christopher Lambert. Fine, whatever, it's done. I mean, he was a Frenchman that played a Scotsman in Highlander, so now he's a Frenchman playing an Asian man in this movie. I mean, he really, he's not opposed to playing different races and no, creeds. No, never. Breakfast at Tiffany's. What? Um, oh, no. Uh... But, okay. It wasn't that bad. It no. wasn't like a stereotype situation no, where he, like, yeah, no, it, it really, he, that's why, I mean, it's, it's offensive more for like the people that casted him. I wouldn't say like he played it offensively no, at all. It, it's no. not like he put on an Asian accent. Like, well, it's, no, I, I think again, if you didn't know that this is a video game movie and didn't know the character, you'd probably be like, okay. Whatever, that's fine. Right. Although I, I would say, even though I love Christopher Lambert and like his performance is just, oh, it's so good. Like, oh, it's so, it's so bad. It's good, legit. But the weirdest part was just the visual. It mostly in the beginning of <laughs> wa- him walking into the monastery and having a whole bunch of like people Asian people bowing before him, and he's, a, he's supposed to be their god, and he turns out to be. <laughs> fucking old white man it's just the optics are a little weird <laughs> but other than after that first scene it really wasn't that bad no after that first scene it's not that bad because he's christopher lambert and he's just adorable so now we got to meet johnny cage and johnny cage is filming a movie he's an action star he's fighting off these groups and the one guy misses his cue to fall and he looks at him and goes this is where you fall down. And they did like the typical thing where like you at first you think he's in a real fight and then it turns out like somebody else cut and it's a whole movie set. That was kind of funny. But he's played by Lyndon Ashby who has done several things uh, since this time. I would think probably most notably at least for a lot of people he played Styles' dad on um, the MTV Teen Wolf show and he was a big character on that i believe i never watched that show but like i've seen clips of it and it seems pretty interesting we uh of course you know because we are movie connoisseurs here on shoot the flick we also did an episode on the original teen wolf movie in 1985 or 6 i think it was it was uh it it was interesting (laughs) lyndon ashby i would say is a highlight in the movie 
as far as his performance. He basically just does a very uh, generic kind of like arrogant asshole, but like he's charming and he's got a heart of gold kind of thing. Well, Johnny Cage, I think the character is initially based off John claude Van Damme. Oh, well, it's interesting you say that, dear. You know why? Because he turned down the role of Johnny Cage in this movie to do, you guessed it, Street Fighter, the movie, which I also watched just for funsies one time. I think I mentioned this before on the show, but I've never played the Street Fighter game. I just saw it was streaming and i was like this is supposed to be bad i want to watch it and i did and it was and that's the show <laughs> johnny cage's special movies he does a split and punches the character other character in the balls oh yeah which yeah, he yeah. does do in this movie but that's because john claude van damme does splits and that's where right that- yeah oh i didn't even realize that that did not occur to me that's so funny but uh also fun fact two other actors that were considered for the role of johnny cage in this movie were tom cruise I can see it. And Johnny Depp. I can see that less. Tom Cruise, I can for sure see, because Johnny Cage is basically like a fucking hyped up douchebag, which is essentially what Tom Cruise is. Well, this is <laughs> this is 95, so Depp hasn't become Jack Sparrow yet. Right, but still. So I can kind of see it a little. Like, he's still, he's still got Jump Street and all like that kind of look to him. And an arrogant action star, I can get there. But yeah, so we Johnny Cage gets invited to this tournament just as well. All our main characters now converge to this dock for We're, reasons. For reasons. Well, actually, they did kind of get. They don't think they did. They explain why Sonia so- ended up there. Sonia is hunting Kano. Oh, okay. Then he was at the docks for the tournament. Yes. Liu Kang was going to be in the tournament. Um, to avenge his dead brother. That's why. That's how he like met Raiden. He went to this monastery where he grew up with his brother. After like he had this dream about him dying, and he's like, "I'm gonna enter the tournament and get revenge on Shang Tsung." And Raiden pops up, like I explained before, and he's like, "You can't go into the tournament for vengeance. No, that's not right." And then uh, Liu Kang's like, fuck you. And he's like, well, he's our only hope, so we have to work with Liu Kang. Oh, well, like, you know, he's, he's a rapscallion. He's not ready for the real world yet. They build up his, like, transformation in this movie. Like, he's going to have this grand journey. And shockingly, that doesn't happen really at all. <laughs> and Johnny Cage's whole, like, persona is because he's actually a good fighter. And he wants the world to believe he's a good fighter. So he's like, he's always going to get into the fight to prove himself. And that's why he's got to join this whole crew. So let me kind of give a brief overview of what this is supposed to be. Yes, explain Mortal Kombat to us peons. So Mortal Kombat is the Earth Realm is going to be invaded by Outer Realm. Shao Kahn, the big bad of the second movie, sets up this Mortal Kombat tournament that he has to win 10 of. In order to invade the realm, he has won nine. This will be the tenth tournament, and if he wins, he gets to invade Earth Realm, signaling the end of Earth as we know it. Are you saying it's the end of the world as we know it? It's the end of the world as we know it, and I feel fine. Yes. <laughs> this is the tournament to decide them all to try and save Earth Realm. From being invaded by another dimension, basically. Yeah, so we have the Outworld versus the... Earth Realm. Earth Realm. Got it. Cool. That's... Wonderful. We also meet our final character, 
I guess, for our good guys, Art Lean, who is not in any of the games, and basically he's just father to die yeah i think he popped up for the first time on the dock right yeah he, he and then he disappeared for like ever and i totally forgot he was in the movie and then he pops up in the middle of the tournament and dies and that's supposed to be like a big thing and i'm like all right he's... i don't who are you again like i didn't care i literally didn't care <laughs> yeah pretty much so our Heroes all arrive at the dock. Johnny tries to pay Liu Kang to take his bags onto the ship. Liu Kang takes his money and throws his bags into the water. Ha ha ha. Very funny. He he uh, spouts one of his uh, infamous improv lines here in, in the movie. Liu Kang throws all his luggage in the water. And Johnny Cage just turns around and goes, hmm, Thank God I didn't ask him to park the car. Wah, wah, wah. Uh, but everyone gets on this weird ghost ship, and it's all explained by Raiden and by Shang Tsung about this tournament, blah, blah, blah. Raiden does his cool lightning tricks, which is very bad CGI for oh, 1995. It's yeah, the CGI, like Resident Evil, is really terrible in this. And um, also, again, Christopher Lambert is just like bringing... Raiden to a whole new level of hilarity like he's explaining the fucking tournament like he comes off like he's supposed to be like this wise old man tropey character but then there are times when like he has this like sinister side to him where he like is very into the tournament and the fact that the whole world is at stake <laughs> he's like he's explaining it to the three of them and he's like haha the world is in your hands <laughs> sorry <laughs> like, I'm like what the fuck and also, Raiden fucking says to Liu Kang, Johnny Cage, and Sonya Blade, he's like, you know, there's like 50 bajillion fucking uh, people competing in this tournament, right? And he says to the three of them, I have looked in everyone's souls. One of you three are going to be the one to end this tournament. So in my mind, I'm like, okay, so what the fuck is the point of all these other people? <laughs> like, just fucking send them home then. It just, I don't understand. Because also, like, this is supposed to be a tournament. But yet, throughout every single fucking fight in this movie, there are so many, I can't even count them. There's never a sense that the number of people are dwindling. So, usually in a tournament, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but usually people are eliminated. Yes. So, the number of people should, like, slowly get smaller. Yes. But the whole time, there's just random NPC characters just in the background shouting and fighting for nothing. Like Because this isn't a tournament. It's just like, oh, you're kind of supposed to be in a tournament, but who cares? We're just fighting. We meet Sub-Zero and Scorpion here as well on the ghost ship. They're done very poorly. Again, one is supposed to be a Japanese ninja. The other is supposed to be a Chinese ninja. And I think one's played by another Frenchman. And the other, I think, is played by I think a Spaniard. Don't quote me. It doesn't really matter. You can't really tell. They're just kind of bland with ghostly pale eyes. But again, not Asian. Sub-Zero can freeze stuff. Scorpion can shoot a worm out of his hand. That's supposed to be like a giant rope. Like, literally, they come off like Power Rangers villains. They kind of are in this, yeah. It, from the opening scene, I know I mentioned that before, but it really uh, does come off like a fucking Mighty Morphin Power Rangers episode, like a two-parter or three-parter situation. Because, like, there is so much slow-mo and so much ADR grunting sounds when they're fighting. It's 
it's like so off and then like even like the vistas in the background like they're so clearly fucked with digitally to make it look more scary than it is and like very obvious like thunder claps in the background it's just so weird i don't know yeah when they bring the clouds in you're like oh god that looks so terrible you bring these dark clouds and you're like, oh, God. And I mean, just the acting in itself oh, yeah. is like very after school special. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Terrible. So we finally get to the island. We have some flirting with Johnny Cage and Sonia. Blah, 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 blah. It doesn't really matter. My God. Literally, it's so dumb. It, it's I don't even care. They have zero chemistry. And then like they meet and they're not even really flirting. He's flirting with her and she's like, get the fuck off my dick. Like, I don't like you. And then there's no real like close interaction between the two of them. And then at the end of the movie, in like the last 20 minutes, half hour, they're in love now. And it's like, wait, what? <laughs> He's like, I can't let anything happen to you. Not you, Sonia. And it's like, wait, what <laughs> this happened? What do we do? Because you were just complimenting like her tits in the beginning of the movie. And now you you're in love with her and she gets kidnapped and he's like Sonia it's like okay really really all right all right but another character gets Liu Kang's attention Princess Katana played by Talisa Soto who is also in the sequel Mortal Kombat Annihilation I think her and Liu Kang are the only actors who carried over into the sequel which I'm sure there's a reason for that (laughs) yep so Katana sees Liu Kang walks away and then Shang Tsung talks to Reptile, our version of Reptile in this, who is a 3D lizard monster. Frankie was very upset by the 3D lizard monster. Oh my god, it literally looked like, I don't know if this is like a nationwide chain, but the Rainforest Cafe, like the fucking mascot for the Rainforest Cafe, just, a, it wasn't even finished rendering, it's like they fucking took the lizard from the goddamn Rainforest Cafe, put it on screen, and didn't finish rendering it, and it just like slithers around for no reason. It kind of looked like the shit weasel from Food Fight. Yeah, a little bit, yes. Why did we do that? And then, like, spoiler alert, there's a fucking thing at the end where they, he fights Liu Kang, the reptile guy, and he just turns into a ninja. So it's like, couldn't you have just, like, made him a fucking ninja guy the whole time? Like, I get he's called reptile, but, like, you could have made him, like, a Miss Frizzle thing and, like, just had a fucking lizard. Like, have him have a, have a pet lizard, and that's, uh, that's their version of reptile, because if we tried to animate a reptile guy in 1995 with, like, a 25-cent budget, it's gonna look fucking dumb. But no, we didn't have that forethought, I guess. So, we get... The first fight of the movie is Sub-Zero versus some random guy. Why, I don't know. But the random guy runs at Sub-Zero for a kick and Sub-Zero freezes him. And he just kind of breaks apart. And we get the famous line from the game. Flawless victory. I know the line. He, he says this a lot. Shang Tsung. He says, um, finish him. And I'm like, I know that one. Yes, that's... That's a thing. There's a couple. Like, Scorpion has one when he's fighting Johnny Cage where he goes... Get over here! That's another famous line from the games. I remember that. He kind of sounded like Bonesaw from Spider-Man. Yes. <laughs> I looked at him like, was that Bonesaw? No, that was not Macho Man Randy Savage. <laughs> oh my god, that was great. Bonesaw's Bonesaw. ready. <laughs> Bonesaw's ready? The cream rises to the top. Oh my god. Ugh. This movie made me happy, at least. It, was, it made no sense, and it was really dumb, but it made me happy. <laughs> uh, so, 
in the secret meeting of the evil villains, Kano's talking to Prince Goro. Prince Goro is a giant puppet monster with four arms. Which, I mean, it looked... It looked okay for 1995. Like, was it actually a puppet or was it CGI? It's an actual puppet. Okay. It looked okay. It wasn't bad. They had a puppeteer, I think, for each one of his limbs. Okay. And, like, his body. But, uh, yeah. I mean, it was obviously a puppet, but, like, it wasn't It wasn't egregious. After seeing fucking Reptile, like, ten minutes earlier, I was like, all right, like, this is fine. I don't care. I actually think Goro looks good in this. Uh, they CGI him in the new one. It doesn't look as good as the puppet. I, I doubt that because this isn't like a Henson situation where like it's actually a decent puppet. It's like it, I couldn't tell if it was CGI, like shitty CGI or a shitty puppet. Like it kind of just. I, I could tell. I could tell. I know. I know the puppet. I know it's the puppet. Uh, so now we get a random fight with our trio versus a bunch of random ninjas. You'll notice that like literally every sequence starts with a random fight with random people that's it's just i don't even because it's not even the tournament yet which is fucking weird because they use the theme four times throughout the entire movie in this like fucking hour 30 minute movie they use it fucking four times and three of the four times it's not even the tournament yet including this time where the three main characters that we're supposed to care about fight all these like ninjas raiden ends up breaking it up and after a bunch of them more come and goes I don't think so. No, no, oh, no. Oh, yeah. <laughs> more more ninjas come in the room and fucking Christopher Lambert's just like giving them the slow clap. Like, good job. Good job, trio of destiny. Now, here are all these other ninjas. What are you going to do now? And they're like prepping to fight. And then the ninjas get closer. And Raiden's like, oh, no, no, no. <laughs> and then he like parts the Red Sea. <laughs> it's like, okay. Oh, look at me. I'm shaking my little space boots. So finally... The tournament starts, and Liu Kang fights another random guy who I think is supposed to be infused with a tiger. I don't know. He ha- he kind of roars like a tiger. Liu Kang wins pretty easily. We move on. So now we get our first real big fight. Sonya fights Kano. Which, again, right before the fight, Shang Tsung is like, Oh, don't hurt Sonya and don't humiliate her. Like, you know, we're saving her for some reason. It, it comes off very presumably like like Shang Tsung wants her for himself. Which, it could be the reason. Because later on, he does, like I said, kidnap her and like put her in a skimpy dress and like tie her up like the lady from King Kong. I don't know. I, it's not made clear. But... He sends Kano in this, like, death tournament with Sonya and says, don't hurt her and don't humiliate her. And so, like, what is he supposed to do? <laughs> well, he, he clearly fights her, but, like, he doesn't... The guy says don't kill her. So, like, what are we doing? Yeah, I don't know, but... Uh, it doesn't make sense, is my point. It doesn't make sense. And the reason Sonya's so gung-ho to go after Kano is Kano killed her ex-partner. And that's why she's so hell-bent to get him. And she ends up flipping and grabbing his neck between her legs and snaps it with her thighs. Oh, yeah, baby. She's got thunder thighs. Thunder thighs. Thighs of steel. And then suddenly, we cut to Johnny Cage in the middle of a forest fighting Scorpion. Okay, so this scene was very confusing to me. Well, a lot of the scenes were confusing to me, but this was on the more confusing side. Johnny Cage is fighting the scorpion guy. 
And, you know, it again, it's coming off very Power Rangers-y with the, the style of fighting and the way it's shot and everything. And then all of a sudden, like, there's, like, a, like some CGI VFX fuckery and they're in, like, another dimension or something. And I'm like, what just happened? Where are they? First they were in the forest and then they're in this, like, red-tinted fucking hellscape. And I'm like, where are they? And Scott had to explain to me that, like, Scorpion is, like, this demon and he is d- dead and he lives in hell and I don't know. So I was confused. <laughs> so, yes, yeah, Scorpion in the Mortal Kombat universe is basically a hell demon. He's killed by the original Sub-Zero who also kills, like, his family. So he sells his soul to the devil of the realm oh my God. to come back to life to try and kill Sub-Zero. But that doesn't happen here. Uh, So he's just kind of a hell demon. Okay, first of all, the idea that like these magical creatures and people are able to fight in a tournament with non-magic people and that's considered fair is kind of bullshit to me but Raiden actually brings that up at one point and he's like oh well if you're a true fighter you can find your way around any opponent and it's like well that's kind of bullshit but all right whatever but the concept of like a demon kind of character or like a, a, a undead kind of character dragging an opponent into hell to fight on their own turf like that's kind of cool the problem is it's not really presented or explained well like what happened and hell apparently in this universe kind of looks like the swiss family robinson treehouse just with a red tint on it like it's just a bunch of sticks and branches everywhere they have to climb over i'm like oh, okay it kind of you know what it reminded me of kind of it reminded me of uh, Legend of the Hidden Temple, like going through like the different rooms and stuff. Yeah, it kind of is that. Like multiple sets in this movie kind of reminded me of Legends of the Hidden Temple, which is kind of cool. Like as a kid, I feel like I would enjoy that because Legends of the Hidden Temple was awesome. Well, to answer your complaint, in the games, a lot of these characters kind of do have some sort of magical power that makes them stronger or faster. Uh, Liu Kang can turn into a dragon in the games. Okay, cool, but, like, not in this movie. He, in this movie, they're all humans uh, with human powers. Um, you haven't seen the second one. Um. Oh, yay, I'm so excited. <laughs> so, eventually, we do find out that Scorpion has a skull for, like, a head, just a skull. and He's Ghost Rider. He's basically, yeah. Uh, and Johnny Cage does end up cutting him up, and he blows up, and Johnny Cage wins. So, now we cut to... Another fight with Liu Kang and Princess Katana. And it's basically so Princess Katana can go, you must use the element of life in your next fight. Da, da, da. Oh, yeah. They kind of paint her as like this mysterious lady who like Liu Kang is kind of into, which is like fine. But yeah, she just speaks in fortune cookies the whole time. And it's not really... I mean, it, they kind of explain who she is at the end because she's, like, the princess of the Outworld. Outworld? Yeah. Outworld. And, like, she's been around for, like, 10,000 years and stuff. I don't know. It's just... It's just dumb. <laughs> well, yes. So, she is the princess of Outworld. She's, she has this fight with Liu Kang that 
it's kind of pointless, ends kind of abruptly. Yes, and then they literally move on to the next scene, and it starts with Liu Kang fighting random ninja who we don't even know. Well, Sub-Zero, the ice guy. Oh, for fuck's sake, I don't fucking, I don't know. I don't care or know anybody's fucking Well, name. he's the ice guy. That's all you need to know. Oh, he, he has geez. ice. And- but guess what? The ice guy. Guess we have to fight the ice guy with water because it freezes and it hits him in the face and bang, you're dead. What can you do? What killed the dinosaurs? The ice age. Oh. You can kill the ice guy with water. Yeah. Hey, 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 the ele- hey. hey, hey, the element of life kills. Oh. Oh. It's so dumb. Like, they're, why did you really need a whole fight scene between Liu Kang and the prince? Because the princess isn't in the tournament, so why is she fighting Liu Kang? And, like, they're literally having a full-blown conversation in this fight while the fucking bad guy just sits there and watches. Like, it doesn't make any sense. You could have did that in a, like, more interesting way. Like, have her smuggle him information to help him or whatever. But, no, let's just have them fight about it. Because it's Mortal Kombat and every situation that we come up to, we have to fight about it. Like, physically fight and kick because it's Mortal Kombat. But we finally get Goro. And Goro's first fight is against Artlene. And Artlene's gonna fight this monster and dies pretty much immediately. Yeah. Which, again, like I mentioned before, don't really care. I totally forgot the guy was in the fucking movie. But this is a big moment for Johnny Cage because apparently this random character's death propels him to want to take on Goro one-on-one. And this is where he has, like, the beautiful romantic sunset scene with Sonya. And he's like, I'm not going to let what happened to him happen to you, Sonya. Not not you. And she's like, Johnny Cage, how could you? And it's like, can we stop this? <laughs> this is so dumb. Like, they don't fucking... She didn't like it. There's no indication that she even likes him in the whole movie. There's not even, like, a situation where, like, you know, she says something mean to him but then like looks over her shoulder at him like "Ooh, you're sexy no nothing literally nothing and the entire time like they don't get to know each other they don't that's the problem with this whole the trio in general i'm gonna rant shut up scott don't laugh at me okay this is the whole problem with the trio right there are plenty of movies that you have strangers who didn't know each other thrown into a situation and they like, you know, over the course of the film, they bond and they like fight an adversary together and, you know, all that good stuff. Right. So this is not one of those movies because they literally not only do they not have distinctive personalities, but they don't bond with each other at all. Like, literally Raiden comes up to them in the beginning of the movie is like one of you three is gonna end this tournament you're the best fighters here and then they're just like buddies just magically and they don't know anything about each other all the personality traits and backstory that they have is from their introductory scenes in the beginning of the movie and from what Raiden tells them like he literally has a moment with the trio where he goes up to each one of them and explains their biggest weakness. He's like, Johnny, your biggest weakness is your arrogance. And Sonia, your biggest weakness is you can't trust anyone. And Liu Kang, your weakness is your feelings of vengeance and guilt about your brother's death. And it's like, okay, well, that's that was great. Thanks. Thanks for letting us know what, who our characters are there, Christopher Lambert. <laughs> Glad you're here. Well, it's even so funny because once Johnny Cage is going to challenge Goro, uh, Raiden tries to, like, talk him down, kind of. And Johnny Cage goes, 
it doesn't matter. We we it's our tournament. We gotta fight it our way. And then he walks away, and Rainy goes. Uh, finally, they learned. I'm like, what did they learn? What did they learn exactly? Like, what what did they learn here? It even happens later on in the movie because later on, like I mentioned, spoiler, fucking Shang Tsung kidnaps Sonya and takes her off to parts unknown, right? And then conveniently fucking Christopher Lambert because he's Raiden he can't go to where the guy took Sonya oh I'm so sorry my two weeks are up I can't go with you so he goes to fucking Luke Kang and Johnny Cage and you know they're like oh we gotta go save Sonya and you know uh, Luke Kang's like I gotta fight Shang Tsung and Raiden just looks at Luke Kang and he's like I've taught you well Luke Kang there's nothing else I can teach you and it's like what did she teach you you literally have been trying to tell him the whole time you shouldn't go after Shang Tsung you know just for revenge and then he kidnaps your quote-unquote friend and Luke Kang's like I gotta go get him and Raiden's like oh you've learned the lesson <laughs> like wait no it seems like we haven't learned the lesson there that you've expressly told us. <laughs> there are no lessons. Only Mortal Kombat. Yeah, legit. <laughs> uh, so Goro fights Johnny Cage because we're going back again. And we get the special move where he does the split, punches Goro in the nuts. And then Goro is hanging off a cliff by like the tippy tips of his fingers. And Johnny Cage brings up the line from the beginning of the movie where he's like, This is where you fall down. And then Goro's like, and he falls down to his death. Hooray. And then Shang Tsung's pissed because his, you know, his fucking gargantuan Hulk fighter with five arms or whatever the fuck he gets killed so he's pissed right so he grabs Sonya and he's like I'm gonna take you to Outworld Sonya Mwahaha. and it's like wait why why <laughs> and, but then he takes her and Johnny Cage is like no Sonya and then the whole scene I just explained happens where Rain's like uh, you've learned all you can learn from me bye go to Outworld and save Sonya and then yeah they go to Outworld they go to, to save Sonya. They go to Outworld, reunite with Katana. All uh, oh, right, Katana's still in this movie. God damn it. Yeah, uh, they also fight Reptile, as we said before. Who turns into a person. Thank God, because... Uh, fuck. Yeah, earlier on, I even forgot to mention, Reptile does spit in Liu Kang's face, just kind of randomly. Well, I think that's the scene where he, Robin Shu gets injured. Robin Shu fractured two ribs after being thrown into a pillar in the fight with reptile but he didn't tell anybody except the actor he basically was like listen just keep going but don't hit me on the right side because i'm pretty sure i broke my ribs because <laughs> he didn't want the production gets to get shut down so he literally finished the scene with like broken ass fucking ribs and then went to the hospital and then the johnny cage one is even worse i think he was like the worst injury on set and that was during the fight with scorpion the hellscape one. yeah yeah he bruised his kidney after getting kicked in the back which ow yeah all those really hurt but, like, they still kept going, man. That's why I feel like this is different from, like, Resident Evil in that, like, literally nobody on Resident Evil, aside from Michelle Rodriguez, gave a shit. But, like, I feel like everybody, despite the fact that this is arguably more ridiculous of a concept than Resident Evil, they cared so much more. <laughs> like, it, it does show. Resident Evil, as much as it's a crazy, fun, like, survival horror story... It's a simple, straightforward story. Mortal Kombat's fucking batshit, so you could just go, let's just go. And that's what they did here. 
So we get to Outworld. Again, the fight with Reptile. Reptile turns into worms. It's fucking weird. We cut to Shang Tsung, who has, as we said, Sonya Blade tied up in a weird dress. Why, we don't know. But Katana, Liu Kang, Johnny Cage appear. And they're like, ha, no. It's our turn to fight. And Liu Kang fights Shang Tsung and fucking... Johnny Cage and Sonya Blade just kind of go off to the side. Yeah, I will give it this, though. They at least attempted to kind of finish Sonya's arc because as she's tied up there, you know, she, she's so independent. She's handling her own shit, right? But in that moment, she's pretty fucking helpless and she's like, you know what? My friends will come for me. That's what she keeps saying to Shang Tsung. Then, like, right at the perfect moment, obviously, because this is a Power Rangers episode... <laughs> They're all off to the side dressed as minions and they unhood themselves and Johnny Cage is like, we're already here. <laughs> and like poses like fucking Tommy the Green Ranger. But yeah, and like because Liu Kang is the main main character, like in the ensuing fight that we're about to talk about, they for sure like kind of at least attempt to close his arc. Johnny Cage, I don't really think they closed his arc of like not being arrogant because that's basically Johnny Cage's whole character is that he's an arrogant asshole that says funny things sometimes. That's who Johnny Cage is in the game. So, so it's like, okay, yeah. that's clearly not a weakness for you, sir. You keep doing you. You keep being you, Johnny. We'll be fine. So Liu Kang starts fighting Shang Tsung, and it's an easy fight. Like, he kicks him in the face once, and then Shang Tsung turns into his brother. Literally right in front of him. The fucking guy. He morphs into Liu Kang's brother, Chan, right? And... Fucking Liu Kang is standing right there and he sees him do it. And he walks over to the fucking guy and he's like, Chan, is that you? And it's like, bitch, you live. We just, as the audience saw that you saw that, you know it's not your brother. Like, it would have made. <laughs> Hello. It would have made more sense because Shang Tsung earlier in the fight does bring some souls back to life to kind of fight Liu Kang. If he, because he then he disappears for a second. If then he morphed into his brother. That would have made more sense, and then like, oh, he he no, he knows it's not the truth. I guess. But even still, blah blah blah, fine. Uh, they start fighting again. Aven kick, 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 punch, kick. punch, punch. Eventually, Liu Kang kills the bad guy, and because he kind of like is powered by the souls of dead warriors, when he's killed, his dead brother his soul really does come back and like say goodbye to Liu Kang and they have like a genuinely emotional moment by this point there's so much not emotion and, and not anything to give a fuck about that when this happens like nobody cares it falls flat I don't give a fuck but at least they tried to have an emotional moment <laughs> and kind of you know complete the arc for Liu Kang he forgives himself for what happened to his brother he doesn't blame himself anymore he says goodbye to his brother he's at peace and everything's wonderful and the tournament is over the world is saved all that good stuff let's go home Ugh. so we go the ending the so ending you guys it's about to happen and it's fucking hilarious so we're at the monastery and everybody's so happy and like, oh, it's, this is great, blah, blah, blah. Oh. Yeah, Raiden is there and he's like, you guys did great. You guys are awesome. And then they walk towards this temple. 
<laughs> and then suddenly the temple starts to shake and collapse and the clouds roll in and Shao Kahn appears. The Emperor. And then they do this thing that they did in fucking Street Fighter, which was hilarious in Street Fighter. And it's even fucking more hilarious here somehow. And they go and they're like, not in our world. And they pose, basically. And they're they like, end the movie with a pose, guys. A pose off, essentially. It's fucking ridiculous. <laughs> oh, it's fucking insane. Literally, in Street Fighter, they posed at the end. But it was even worse somehow, actually, now I'm thinking about it. Because literally, in Street Fighter, like there was just a huge explosion where the main character's like best friend just died and then he gets back together with all his friends that are like you know alive and he's just like well we did it we beat the bad guy and then they all turn to the camera like yeah they jump in the air and shit but like this one this one just it's for some reason kind of tries to take it a little more seriously and they're all like perfectly um staggered in a row and they're like in a fighting pose and it's like even fucking uh reading it's just oh it's so good it's so good I can't wait to watch the sequel, to be honest with you. Oh, boy. It's going to be so bad. Oh, it's terrible. And that is Mortal Kombat. Huh. This is a movie that is fucking insane. It really is. Like, it's crazy that Paul W.S. Anderson has gotten this kind of like, oh, he can do a video game movie. But we've watched now two of them. And they both have problems. This is fun to watch only in the worst ways. And Resident Evil is just kind of bland. And only gets worse as the series goes on. Actually, the best Resident Evil movie might be the one he didn't direct. <laughs> so, dear, did you did you have a good time watching this movie? Uh, it, it's just it's a dumb, fun time. It's really... Yeah. Like, you, you don't really watch Mortal Kombat 1995 for the genuine, like, emotional you know, journey. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like, no. I had fun with it. I gave it a two out of five stars, but I also put it on my letterbox list for So Bad It's Good movies. And I, I very much enjoyed it. I would watch it again. It's one of those movies that when you talk about video game movies, you always have to bring up Mortal Kombat. And it's because it's one of the earlier ones. It's probably, arguably, one of the most well-known ones. Is it the movie that deserves that credit? Probably not, but it, it's what it is. It's fine. I gave it a one and a half. <laughs> the second one's fucking insane. It's so fucking... I'm genuinely excited to watch it. Oh, my God. We won't be doing it for Shoot the Flick. No. But uh, I'll, I'll probably watch it on my own just for funsies like next week, maybe sometime. And I'll I'll let you know when we do our final video game movie of the month next week how i felt about it yeah so stay tuned for that yeah so next week we're gonna talk about another video game movie the last one thank the fucking lord and this is another one i think is in the middle of the road of movies i think it's a decent enough movie mainly because i think the actress actually does have a lot of fun being the main character so it should be an interesting watch in general, uh, thank you all to people who voted for that. Well, uh, until next week, this has been Shoot the Flick. 
I am Frankie Sparks. And I am Scott Eisenberg. Make sure you check us out on Instagram and Twitter at Shoot the Flick and check out our weekly episodes every single Wednesday on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and iHeartRadio, and pretty much anywhere else you can find a podcast. And make sure you come back next week for our kick-ass girl power movie adventure. Flawless victory. Finish it.